Please turn in your Bibles tonight to the 39th Psalm. And we're going to look at verses 4 through 7 this evening. Psalms 39, verses 4 through 7. When someone walked in tonight, I said, I haven't seen you since last year. And, and that's true for most of us. It's, it's been since last year that we have seen one another. We are into a new year. And there are a lot of uncertainties in this new year as we, as we go into it and as we face it. There's a lot, we have no idea of many things that are going to happen in this new year. If, uh, if the Lord sees fit that we live through this new year, we're, we're going to have a birthday sometime throughout this year. Uh, one person's already been assured of it. Uh, today is, uh, McKenna's birthday. She's, has seen 18 years and, uh, God's given me a child for 18 years, a span of these 18 years because, and we say that because we measure life from a birth date to, to, to our birthday. And that's how we measure life and, and look at life, you know, and as we think about uncertainties of, life, you know, and what the future holds, uh, teenagers and maybe people in their 20s just do not think about that too much. It doesn't seem to concern them too much, where people in their 60s and 70s, it may seem to concern. And, and you know why we think that way? Because we measure life from a birth date and, and we go from there. You know, what if we could measure life from our death date, though. You know, I mean, God forbid, but there could be someone that, that is under 30 years old here tonight, maybe someone that's 20 or 25 or so, and, and it's possible you have uh, five years left on your life. I hope that's not the case, but it very possibly could be the case. And if that's the case, you're old. <laughs> you're old in your life. Uh, you know, you're, you're toward the end of it. I told Brother Nolan one time, I said, I want you to sing at my funeral. If, if the case is that I pass on before you, I want you to sing. I don't want you to behind, be in behind a partition over in the corner. I want you standing in front of everybody and singing with joy like you always do. I know you're going to have to bite your lip when you're sad for me, but, but you sing in front of those thousands that are going to be there at my funeral, okay? And, and some people might say that that's silly, but it's possible because we have absolutely no idea about the future. We don't know our death date. David here, he's considering his past, his present, and his future. And he has life on his mind. He has the value of life on his mind. And we'll go ahead and get started uh, in, in just a second, in verse four, you know, but as we're considering this, I, I think about the doctor. You've probably heard it, but the doctor that told the, the patient, he said, I've got some bad news for you and I've got some really bad news for you. And the patient says, well, what's the bad news? And he says, you have 24 hours to live. And he says, 
he gets a little bold thinking nothing can be worse than that. And so he says, well, what's the really bad news? He said, I should have told you this yesterday. Uh, time, time in life, we it, it is so easy to let it just pass by and to and to just go with the flow and not really think about the value of life, the preciousness of life. But this is exactly where David's heart and mind is in verse four, as we look at an appreciation of life. David says, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. First of all, what's he really saying here? Because David knows his end. David knows that he's going to be with the Lord at the end of his life. I mean, he said of his son, he's not going to come back to me, but I'm going to go to him. David knows his end. He knows that the end of his life will mean that his trials are now over. So you understand David some, knows some things about his end. He is better able to deal with his adversities in the present because he knows at the end they're going to be over. He, he knows some things about the end, but there's obviously something lacking and something missing as David's mind and heart is being stirred because he says, Lord, make me to know mine end. David is praying about being more sensitive to life and the shortness of life. He wants to be able to fully experience and appreciate life. He doesn't want to let anything slip to the side that, that he ought to be having in life as far as his experience of a full life in such a short time that it is. And one way that David is looking to appreciate life more is by measuring his time by his death date instead of his birth date. You see, he doesn't know his death date. But God in His wisdom has it all planned out. None of us know when that's coming. But God has the time, the perfect time, planned out for all of us when we expire. And that's how David would like to be able to measure his life. God knows our end. And we don't. And our time on earth isn't very long and we don't know when the time ends and that's a pretty humbling experience to stop and think about that that's something that is drawing David to a more sincere thought of this life that he has it isn't very long and David is humbled by considering this look at the end of verse 4 he says that I may know how frail I am. Wow, this life isn't very long. I don't know how long it's going to last. It's, it's a precious thing. Every minute, every year, we've been, we've been brought into a new year. And it's a precious thing to have life. And it will humble you and I to consider 
our end. Because, because we have to rely on God for that. And we trust it with God. He's the one that knows and we don't. It's a humbling experience. It will make us harder workers for the Lord if we consider our end. It will make us ripe and ready for heaven if we will consider our end. We will be helped to really appreciate the life that God has given us if we consider what we don't know about it, if you understand what I mean. The soon coming end of life, look, it helps us deal with the evils of life that we're going through right now. You know, the end for the wicked means that the fun is all over. But the end for the righteous means that our griefs are all over. It's, a, it's actually an exciting, it's a terrifying thing for the unsaved to consider the end of life. But it's actually an uplifting thing for you and I to consider this end of life. David prays to be sensible to the shortness of life. And that's a good prayer for you and I. And we should do that. We should be that way. It will create in you and I a greater appreciation of life and it will motivate a more active, diligent service for the Lord for His glory. An appreciation of life is what's on David's mind. He's really, he's really looking to, to be redeeming the time, as the Bible says, making the most out of every opportunity, making the most out of this life of faith until he goes home. Well, we not only see an appreciation of life, though, in verse 4, we see a depreciation of life in verse 5. He says, Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Life's not just short. It's really, really short. I should have told you that 24 hours ago, maybe. It's... It's, it's, it's very short. It's so short that David likens life unto a handbreadth. That's, that's the distance from, from your thumb over to your pinky. It's, it's a closed hand handbreadth and it's an, it's an expanded hand handbreadth. Uh, to measure a cubit, you know, a lot of times in measurements, they measured starting from the elbow down to the end down here. But, but in, in building temple furniture or smaller things, things like that, they used it for a way of measuring when they cut things and things had to be a certain length. They used the handbreadth. And David is using the handbreadth to measure the span of life that you and I have upon this earth. It goes so fast and it's it's gone before you know it. I mean, my daughter turns 18 before I know it. I turned around and everybody warned me the time flies, the time flies. Well, it, it doesn't matter. Thanks for saying that. Whoever said that in my life, but it, it's not like trying to experience it. And it goes by so fast. Life is so rapid. And David measured 
the span of his life by it. And he began this verse, this point, with behold. Or in other words, let us draw our attention to this very fact that life is is extremely brief. You know, it, it might sadden our state of mind for just a moment to think about how brief life is, but it will produce sincerity and it will produce uh, a spiritual awakening, which is something that we need because the natural human being's life on earth left to himself independent of God, it is absolutely vain. It produces absolutely nothing of eternal value. It is emptiness a life without God. Even if somebody lives to be a hundred years old and they do the best they can in their own ability, it's still going to end up being nothingness if it's a life without the Lord. Consider what He does and who He is. He's the Lord who makes us to know our end. He is the Lord who has made our days, which are very short. He He is the one that is in control of it all. David is longing to appreciate life more. And the only way to do that is with the Lord. And then the end of that verse says, Selah. Or in other words, that means to pause just for a minute and to consider what has just been shared. David definitely has a meditation going on in his mind about life. How that life is a vapor. Life is fleeting. And the very best anyone might make out of a life without the Lord is going to end up being of no value whatsoever. You know, and that that makes me want to interject another thought right, right in this. And that is an awakening of our witness to others. Look what he says in this verse. And at the end of the verse, he says, Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. This depreciation of life ought to stir up our witness. It makes me think of that song, People Need the Lord. It says, every day they pass me by, I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. We are called to take His light to a world where wrong seems right. What could be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost? A life that ends up producing and and coming to absolutely nothing without the Lord. It's, It's tragedy to have a wasted life. And we have the words, we have the truth and the ability to take God's word to a life that is being wasted. So we go from an appreciation of life as David is meditating to a depreciation of life. But let's look at an accumulation in life at another thought that David has as a result of his prayer about this sincerity of life. Look at verse six. He says, surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. David has prayed to be more sensitive to the shortness of life. 
and, and a partial answer to his prayer has come about by, by this world and what this world offers and what the results of having the things in this world are. The vanity of this world is coming to David's mind. People who live for this world, that's primary, that's their number one. They accumulate the things of this world. That amounts to nothing more than, well, Charles Spurgeon described it as chasing shadows. David wants to appreciate life and he sees that these things of the world are not in it. Now, I've, I've enjoyed some material things. I have been given some things and, and I enjoy them. I appreciate them. I have worked for things and bought things and, and, uh, had, had a certain place in life where you enjoy them, but they never bring you joy. They never bring what your salvation brought. And, and as we are looking to appreciate life, this is something that will get in the way of our sensitivity to a sincere life that is fully lived for the Lord. Things of this world, they will, they will interrupt our joy even because they don't bring joy. For many, the life that passes them by is spent on things that pass away. And for David to appreciate life, he sees that he must rebuke a temporary world of happiness that's based on empty promises. You know, it's, it's the things of this world are constantly decorated a different way, but it's all the same in the end. There's no guarantee. We must have the mindset that David has. And because even when we come to the realization that what this world offers is cotton candy, our flesh is still going to be drawn to it. There's still going to be that thing. There's still going to be something that is going to blind us and try to get in the way. We must keep our focus on a guarantee. I, I like a guarantee. I like, there, there's, there's products that are advertised and they come with a guarantee. You, you send them back and you get your money back in 30 days if you're not satisfied. I've never done anything like that. I, I don't, I don't put all of my trust in that guarantee. But there is a trust, there is a guarantee we can put our trust in. And it's, and it's not in anything in this world. But there is a guarantee from heaven for you and I that we can all put our trust in. David, David is, 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 is praying about this and he comes to this conclusion in an evaluation of life in verse seven now. He says, and now Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. As David's mind has tried to wrap around how he can appreciate life the greatest, his conclusion comes down to what can I actually put confidence in in this world? What can I actually invest my life in that is worth something? Where will I go? What will I trust? What will I look for as, as definite expectations that I can look forward to in my life? What will I rest my confidence in? And after all of this, David says, my hope is in the Lord. 
all his hope is in the Lord. For you and I to appreciate life, we can't be double-minded in any of our ways. Uh, it has to be completely in the Lord. You understand, we have been through some absolutes throughout these verses. Look in verse 5. He says, you made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as absolute, my, 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 uh, tenure of life is as absolutely nothing before thee. Verily, every, every single human being in this world at his best is completely, absolutely nothingness and emptiness without you. So David's hope is in the Lord, and that's all it can be in as we look to appreciate life. Uh, he sees his situation as frail and fleeting, and nothing on this earth provides any help to his predicament except for the Lord. It's the Lord that does. It's only Jesus that satisfies. Jesus gives you and I the best quality life in every way that we can possibly have while we were while we are on this earth. I think about what the Lord said to the children of Israel when, when he when he's Jeremiah 29 11, you know, the verse in it. And it means I want the very best for your life, Israel. Israel was going the way of the world and they were backslidden and they were going in the wrong direction. And the Lord is saying, I have the very best for you. You find your greatest satisfaction. You find the best quality of life in the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus alone. He provides everything we need to make the most out of this life. Starts with confidence in the Lord, the Lord first and the Lord last and the Lord in between. All your confidence only relies upon Him. And that is a guarantee. It's a guarantee from heaven. I uh, see there's there's always a clause with any guarantees we try to make on earth. I said if the Lord sees fit that we live through uh, 2018, uh, you're guaranteed to see a birthday. But there are some other guarantees that you and I might consider this year. As David says, my hope is in thee, our hope can be in Him and should be in Him alone. And there are some things that we can count on. There are some guarantees that you and I have. And that is that God the Father, He will not change. God is alive and well. God is in control. He is ultimately the one that is ruling this earth. God is still on His throne. The Father is still knows what He's doing. God the Father is still judging sin. And He is still rewarding His saints. God is on His throne. And that will not change in 2018. But not only that, God the Son will not change. God the Son, He still goes between His people and the Father, and He still intercedes for us all the time. The, the, the Son of God does that for you and I. Jesus is still saving. He is mighty to save, and He is saving souls today, and He's saving them the same way He always has, and He will save more in 2018. He's still the only one who can save, and He'll always be the only one who can save. There is none other name under heaven given among 
but men whereby we must be saved. But the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that is not going to change. No one is going to ever be getting into heaven any other way. It is only through the Son. That has not changed. It's a guarantee that we have. He still has perfect compassion for all of our hearts. Jesus still knows everything we've ever been through. He's still that great high priest of Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 15. He doesn't just feel sorry for you. He feels sorry with you. He was tempted in every point, just like you and I have been. He knows how you feel, what you've been going through. It's not even common to man, and it's not common to Jesus. When He walked this earth, He was betrayed, He was hurt. He's been through everything that you and I have been through, and that is not going to change. He knows how you feel. And He is there for you. Take your hurts to the Lord Jesus. And He's going to feel it with you. And He's going to be with you. And He's going to walk with you through it. And that is not going to change. You have a guarantee in God the Father and in God the Son. But you have a guarantee in 2018 that God the Holy Spirit is not going to change. He is still leading and guiding us into all truth. He is still convicting us of sin. He he is still living out the truth through our lives. We are able to live the Christian life because God the Holy Spirit lives it through us and that is not going to change. The Spirit of God has never lost His power. This is a guarantee for you that you can live for the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has not changed. He guides us into truth. He still leads us to His church. I, the Holy Spirit is going to lead me to God's house when the doors are open and He's going to do the same thing for you. He's going to lead you to witness to others. He's going to lead the preachers to preach. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the heart of young men that He's calling to preach. And there are going to be new preachers in the work of God. The Holy Spirit has not changed. We are still going to be able to live the Word of God by the Spirit of God. And speaking of the Word of God, a guarantee that you have have is that the word of God will not change. It is absolute. It will still reveal the truth about God. The word of God still reveals the truth about creation. Creation comes from God's word and, and it's the absolute truth and no other plan that man has ever tried to come up with that he, that keeps failing, that they keep having to change their tune on, on how creation came about. The word of God is going to stand. Heaven and earth to pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And the truth of creation, it is found in God's word. What is right? is found in God's Word, and that's not going to change. And what is wrong is going to be based on what you find in God's Word, and that's going to be the same. There is going to be absolutely no change in that whatsoever. The Word of God is still inspired. It's inspired. It'll be inspired all through 2018. It's not going to change. The Word of God is God-breathed. The Bible is the Word of God. It will be the same throughout this whole year. It's something that you can count on and depend on. It is a guarantee. It will sanctify the saints. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. We are going to be steadily changed. We are going to be set aside to live our lives for God's glory. We are can be, we're going to be convicted against the vanity and the sin that we would live our lives in. And our lives are going to be lived for Jesus and Jesus alone because of the Word of God. If we're in the Word of God, that's what's going to happen with our lives. Praise God of these things that are not going to change. How can we not 
say just as David did. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Is your hope in the Lord Jesus tonight? Because because these things that that do not change, they're really not of value to you yet until you're born again, until you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What a way to start out a year for any of us. If the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart and drawn you and, and you realize, yes, I know a whole lot about God. Yes, I know about Jesus. I, I know about the Holy Spirit. I, I have spent some time in this book right here. But I've never met the Lord in my heart. I really haven't accepted him. And, and I haven't had my life change. I haven't had the weight of the guilt of sin lifted from my life truly. It, it, I haven't been to that cross where all my sins were nailed. And the blood of Jesus cleanses and makes you white as snow. I, I've never, I've never been made white as snow. If that's you tonight, God wants to save you so that you can truly start out the first year of your life. I'm talking about measuring things by our death date. Well, how about measuring something from our, from our spiritual birth date? I was born in 72, but it wasn't until 04 that I was born again. When, when's your birth date? When's your birthday? Do you, do you know it? It's that time in your life that something changed. It wasn't when you were baptized. It wasn't when you went through any emotions. Actually, don't think about something you did. Well, I did this and I did that. You know, we don't save ourselves by what we agree with with God. God saves. Jesus Christ saves. The Bible says that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I thought I was looking for Jesus when I was saved. He was actually looking for me. And hey, He's looking for you too tonight. He's looking for you tonight and He loves you and He gave His life for you and He's done everything for you to be accepted. You will not be rejected if you've never accepted Jesus. Would you do that tonight as we leave, before we leave this building? We're going to... Bow in a word of prayer. But there are several people that you can go to if there be one here tonight that, that you, you just don't have that guarantee. It's a guarantee in your heart, though. The Holy Spirit is, in a way of saying, is a down payment on heaven when He comes to live in our heart. That's our, there's assurance. Blessed, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. That's a, that's a scriptural that's a scriptural song there, and it's one you can sing. Tim Stone, would you close us in a word of prayer?